All right, so Josh, work up. Minutes. Wake up. Work up. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay, that's going to be the, the intro right there. Welcome, one and all, to the Unqualified Podcast. You're here with your two hosts, Kevin and Josh. Oh, shit. The Germans keep quiet. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be with me all day. Yeah, we we are talking about Masters of the fucking Air. Masters of the Air, episode six. Um, uh, The way you're supposed to write an episode where there's no fucking planes. Yeah. No, um, nailed it on the head with this episode of a multi-storyline. Nothing like episode four. I was... I was on the edge of my seat every step of the way. It was a great, great episode. You had, you had escaping prison, uh, capture. You had attempted adultery. You had pretty much everything all lined up in one episode. Yeah, you could say the attempted adultery, but the the main point of it is we got to see Germany all <laughs> fucked up. We got to see, <laughs> we got to see um, people go to crazy homes. And we got to see uh, our main boy Crosby uh, try to have the ultimate Riz. <laughs> What's so funny, Saber? This is in a laughing matter. This is World War Two. <laughs> People are dying here. <laughs> Tell that orphan in the chat. <laughs> I saw that shit. Um, uh, for you guys who don't understand what's going on, we have a live chat uh, in our in our Discord where we do the recordings every single time. And uh, our friend Orf- uh, our friend Orphan and uh, Salty had decided to join us. If you hear us cackling in the background, this that's probably the reason why. Um, but let's get back down to the business end uh, yeah. of it. Right. Uh, we're gonna do the uh, the story now. Uh, basically, what happens is our first character we see, Major Egan, is downed and about trying to find food and shit in Germany. And uh, he runs into Germans. Go figure. <laughs> um, yeah. Which then they fucking chase his ass down like a fucking dog. Yeah, like like he like he's a fox, and there were two freaking uh, bloodhounds chasing him down. Yeah. Too bad that they fucking one guy fired off one shotgun shell off his double barreled shotgun. Didn't even fucking reload, and he's like, "Oh well, I can fucking escape now." Gets captured at the fucking moment. Yeah, and the one time that uh, uh, Major Egan decided to have a uh, a, a moral compass, because yep. if he, he had, had a shotgun, kid, yeah, yeah, he, he had a forty-five going against two double-barrel shotguns. I think he would have won out. I, the, well, the fucking shotgun was pointed right at his head the second time. I I don't think the sh- the fucking pistol would have beat his ass. I would have taken the attempted firefight. I'll be honest with you. You, you have a, you have an M nineteen eleven with what's what's the capacity nine 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 rounds. You have nine seven. rounds. Seven seven rounds. Seven plus one. Okay, and it, but it's seven against four, so meaning four barrels on the shotguns. I think you have a fair shot, especially you the also shotgun have, was right next to his fucking head. No, I, well, the- well, I'm saying he approached he approached it all wrong. He should have been setting up an ambush instead of trying to hide. He did have an ambush, and no, he, he did. fucking. He fucking hid like a bitch. <laughs> either way, either way, he was outnumbered and outclassed apparently when he got captured, which led to him being put on a fucking train that ended up getting stopped in the first town we get to see in Germany that is bombed, which is a lot more fucking uh detailed than the first time we saw a bombing in England. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, um, it was an interesting scene. I didn't get a chance to actually do the deep dive on whether or not there was much truth on uh, Major Egan's um, escapades after being captured because I think that they were sending a message of, like, you know, because all over you always see, like, you know, what the Germans inflicted on other civilians, but you really never seen the side of what the allies inflicted on the german civilians if you're talking about the uh the murder of those prisoners mm-hmm. uh yes and no so egan was never there in that particular city i don't know if that was the right city they did it in but it, during world war ii yes uh bombing crews were uh that sit- event did happen to real bombing crews i don't know if 
which ones if those guys were particularly there they were marched through town and they were all killed by the civilians like rabid animals but uh, it wasn't detailed in egan's file that if he was there or not we don't actually know those facts only right. one we probably know would be egan himself but but we're, we're skipping ahead there's a lot of unpacks in this episode we are th- we're following three character auctions in this episode we have our everybody's favorite character crosby we have uh we have uh buck and Bucky. yeah Bucky. we have Bucky, uh, major egan and then we have one of the new recruits who's not become the ace pilot for the hunter there the hunter there uh court we should probably fucking Rosenthal is his name. Yeah, Rosenthal. Uh, probably should fucking remember his name because he's well, gonna be a main char- that, that's, character for the rest of the series. That's part of me also like not so developing that much attachment to the characters. Uh, but this episode definitely helped a lot with that. Like I do have a lot more attachment to Egan now. I have a lot, you know, still my same attachment to Crosby, even though I'm a little disappointed in Crosby this episode. Uh, and um, now we have. I disappointed with, in Crosby. Yeah. I did. He did nothing wrong. He, he was about to, but we'll get it. We'll, we'll get into I don't, all of I that. I don't think he was about he, to. Yeah, he was. He was. He was. At, he was. Yeah, at, I don't he, think he, he was asking. It, he if was, you had, if he you had watched at, his his mem- read his memoir or watched the thing, she became a lifelong friend to Crosby. Yeah, I guarantee you that the, that if if certain things hadn't transpired, which I don't want to jump ahead on that, we'll we'll, we'll touch on that in a second. Anyway. So let's get back to what this episode was about. So on one side, on the you know guys still fighting side, you have the remainder of some of the quote unquote. Well, technically, there's only one OG left of the Hunter Air uh, Air Corps, and that's Crosby. And then you have the who were once the recruits and now are the veterans of the Hunter Air Corps. Um, Rosenthal's crew. Ro- Rosenthal and his crew, and you know the united states military is like look we've been sending these guys off in bombing missions every day let's get them some r&r so that they don't lose their freaking minds and so they are all shipped back to i don't even know what city what it was oxford it was oxford it was oxford no, right crosby was sent to oxford yeah uh, rosenthal and his crew was sent to i think london to some cottage pretty much it was a it was basically, remember episode, uh, I think, six or uh, four from P- the Pacific, mm-hmm. where they sent Lecky back to uh, to the fucking mental hospital? Same shit, just this this time it's with the Bob McGrews in episode six. Yeah, like, but it wasn't like a, a mental hospital. They were basically had free room, though it was like in padded suits or anything like that. Everybody's still, like, they're representing the military there, so they're still, like, in their, their dress uniforms and whatnot, so... Actually, it, not not true for that specific household. They were told not to have any of their uniforms on, uh, and rank didn't matter. Yeah. So, and Crosby's though, it was different because Crosby was sent. Crosby, Crosby was yes in sent. He, he Crosby was sent on R. It was one part R and R, but the main thing was there is that he was being a representative for the United States in this essentially like allies like meet up to. I don't know exactly what the point was of dis- what they were going to discuss at this meetup, but it, it turned. We, we were following a different story arc for Crosby on that. Nothing really related to his career, but more or less of what I guess all in all his loneliness. Well, the essential plan was that these guys are forming up a group together because it's a coalition force now. Of because this is the end of forty three to forty four. So if we know a little bit of your history. They're getting. They're planning for D-Day, so this was the beginnings of those plans. So with the air wings deciding to work together to bomb the shit out of the Germans, uh, as well as their, as well as other allies, so they can get uh, everyone on the same page of what the mission is: is to defeat uh, their their uh, the Nazis. But at the same time, uh, it was also to try to get them to work together a little bit better so the brits don't hate the americans and the americans don't hate the brits because you know fuck them yeah, yeah. but which they which they did point out very clearly throughout most of the time with crosby and oxford because they the brits were pretty fucking pompous and hated americans while the americans fucking hate the brits so i, I guess it's nothing different yeah i mean pretty much how, how it's looked like is that 
the Brits are the high class and just cannot be bothered type. And then the Americans are the freaking hooligans who just go and freaking party all day. Yep. The funny thing about that is uh, the Brits aren't paid that much during this time in the war while the Americans are. Mm-hmm. So there's a little line that says they're highly paid and oversexed. Well, because they're highly paid, they can pay for shit, and that's how they get the sex. Exactly. So it's kind of like a, a little nod if you pay attention. We can pay for sex. <laughs> um, but that's pretty much Crosby's time in there. He's he's getting R&R because he lost his friend Bubbles, which mm-hmm. ended up doing a little bit of research. He didn't actually die until 44 in April, but it, it doesn't matter. It's still a it's still a pretty good focal point for this. Yeah. Because at this point, you know, Crosby, Crosby's been kind of just like thrown into more advanced positions that he's not really been ready for. And he's right now he's living with some survivors guild because he got promoted. Bubbles took over his old spot and now Bubbles is dead. And yep. he, of course, he's got some survivors guild with that. On top of that, too, he's lonely. He, his wife writes him, you know, consistently and giving every him, week, every week. And the, in one sense, I guess this is it's helpful. But in the same, in the other sense too, it is making him severely lonely, and so now insert emotional support person, British RAF officer. I don't know what her name is for some reason. She's not even. I don't even think she's in the RAF. They never really said what she does, yeah. and she rides. She fucking knows how to uh, use a pole. Yeah, that, that's the. That's so, like all the subtle hints in this. What we're saying is literally what they said in the show. So yeah, she she fucking knows how to use a pole. <laughs> uh, it's, she said it was also all in the wrists. Yeah. Um, so you know, <laughs> I guess we'll, I guess we'll just kind of like focus. I guess we're gonna this we're just gonna focus on each of the character arcs that went, was going on this because if we do the back and forth that they were doing, we're gonna bounce all over the place. So we're gonna yeah, we'll we'll just finish Crosby's yeah. portion. Well, so, then we'll do Rosenthal, and then we'll go right back to Egan where we started, because the Egan portion of the show was the fucking cream of the crop of this episode. So Crosby, obviously, like you know, he you know in Oxford he gets a roommate. His roommate turns out to be a woman, and this woman turns to basically become a emotional support blanket or person or emotional support female. How about we call that emotional support female? Um, and Crosby just kind of like leans into her for like, you know, just comfort. And I think just probably is liking the comfort of having a woman around again. Um, but here's, here's the reason why, like, I just have, I'm a little bit disappointed in Crosby. If I were, if, if I were to behave with this woman, like Crosby was behaving this woman. Now there was, there was no kiss. There was no sex. There was no nothing, but Let's just say, like, I, I think that they got a little too chummy in some cases. And when it was all said and done, basically came down. She had an emergency report to report back to duty. And he's like, are you sure you need to go? It was like literally like the song. I really can't stay. Honey, it's cold outside. Like, basically, he's, try- he's trying to convince her to stay. She's he's, And, like, I think... What she was doing too, because she suddenly just steals a bike and just you know runs off without going any sleep or anything like that. Because like he's like, don't you sleep at all? No, no, I don't need to sleep. Are you sure you need? Yeah, I need to go. You're stealing. That's not. That's not. That's not. I think that she knew what was about to happen, and she took it upon herself to take herself out of the situation so that nothing would happen. I doubt anything was going to happen. I think there was. I think. uh, Either way. the point of the episode is yes, she ends up getting a, getting a little bit more close to Crosby, but I think it's more of just a lifelong friendship, which does happen mm-hmm. if you read his fucking book. Uh, he does talk about her. Um, at the same time, her name was Sandra, mm-hmm. uh, whatever her fucking name was uh, as the alias. But it also showed a different point of the war where how women were um, represented in the military for england in uh, in particular they were not treated as equal to their male counterparts hardy har hard, hard, it's 1943 what'd you expect but they did play a role now whatever the hell she did we don't know she didn't talk about it she could have been from fletchley park for all we know and she's just happened to be there trying to get information from the americans 
But what we do know is she also was helping Crosby. Uh, uh, the word is escaping me. I guess depress his uh, like try to try to calm himself down and let him realize that there's more to this war than what it is. He needs to relax. And that helped him out by, you know, going to the party, drinking with him at night, whatever. And each time he had some restraint. And maybe the end part, yeah, I did feel the same way. Like, oh, yeah, if she, if they got into the same room, they probably would have done something. I don't know. Crosby I gave her a look at, at the last party they were at with. They were together. It is, it is yeah. a fucking TV show. What do you expect? Yeah, There's a little bit of drama. I, I, I don't know. Maybe he could have slept with this woman in 43. We do not know. He to probably the... he probably did, but for the sanctity of his own marriage, he probably, he probably well, sugarcoated no. a little bit about what exactly happened. You never know. You never know. But in this case, he he's just being faithful to his wife, and he's also trying to Survive, go through survivor's guilt, and Sandra just happened to be there yeah. well, like, to take everything. And like, I think like this is all. I mean, they really don't dis- discuss loneliness, but I think that's kind of like part of what's also playing across me now in the survivor's guilt. But he's he's alone now. Like Bubbles knew his wife. Bubbles goes back with him a while, and he's gone. And so now the only like you know you know the only person he was ever close with there is gone now too. And so all he has left now are letters from his wife, and then somebody comes along, and he comes mostly attached to this person, and it almost—I think—it almost leads into something. It could be debated back and forth, but that is—it was a nice episode for Crosby. I, I don't know if there was much character development. You could call it a character development episode. Crosby, Crosby, still kind of is remaining as the same person. It was just a a nice episode to get of like just kind of like a nice like exhale of air you yeah. know we don't we don't have to we don't have to watch any of the main characters die you know it's just you know it, just relax you know yep. it, and we don't get to learn about any background characters disappearing or any main characters disappearing in the background yeah we actually got to see everything that goes on but with that part of crosby's episode it showed how the war efforts going on with the with the allied nations as well as of them working together what these men tend to cope when it deals with women in, in England because hardy har har they have the most money and and how um and how much at this point in the war it's they are still getting bombed but it's like normal like normal everyday lives that it is compared to the counterpart in Germany which we'll talk about a little later but let's go talk about Rosenthal mm-hmm. and his time in his cottage <laughs> you know so like Rosenthal well, you know he shows up in very stereotypical fashion like I'm not meant to be here you know like he feels like that he's perfectly fine if he probably feels like that if he relaxes himself that his mind's gonna be not in the right place when he gets back into it hmm. uh, because right now his mind is like fo- like at this point he is he's approaching up on his 25 mission uh, quota uh, meaning that once his twenty fifth, once his once he hits his twenty fifth mission, he's done. He gets to go home. <laughs> um, so you know, I think that partially he wants to stay and just get it over with because you know every mission for these guys is just like it, it's either a guaranteed oh, of gosh. it's almost like a, it, like the there is such a higher odds of you being shot shot down at this point than there is of you making back. Oh, for sure. At the same time, when we go through uh, his his war, he won't. He doesn't do just twenty five. He does more if you if we read into Rosenthal's character. But each each character uh, from his crew copes with what they saw at the Munster raid differently. So some guys are crying. Some guys are just telling stories. But each one is is coping with the uh, with surviving that mission. But Rosenthal is the one who really doesn't show too much, even though he's having nightmares and getting up early, uh, listening to music, which he's very fond of, especially during the Monster Raid when he was humming that song. Mm-hmm. He's very known to do uh, listen to or very good at music from his family background. Uh, go into more details, watch the Real History YouTube channel, which we've been 
broadcasting every podcast, and I had watched his video for this one as well. Each time they do something like that, Rosenthal had just found a way to keep on moving, and yes, he wanted to survive his war, but each time you get in that aircraft, it ain't a guarantee. So this time away, even though it's their third mission, at, since they've arrived in England, now it's like, whoa, what the hell? Like, he's three missions, he's back there getting R&R, but it's only three missions, man. Most guys don't even get that. Yeah. So, but as the, his story is not the long, is the shortest of the three. Yeah. Uh, Rosenthal, once he gets back to base, he ends up uh, getting ready to go on his aircraft. And I believe that was when it hits him. When he's about to crawl back in, because he kind of just stands there and looks at his aircraft before he crawls in there. But then he starts uh, banging the drums, and he gets himself in the aircraft ready to go. So it's that, a 1940s version of you getting yourself psyched up, you know? Yeah. You know, using music to get yourself psyched up. That's pretty much what it turned into. And that, you know, and though be it, it was a very short character arc for Rosenthal, but it was something needed to establish connection to the character for the audience. And that's what it did for us. Um, it, I mean, it's what di- it did this for all three, all three of these characters that we're watching here. It did this for uh, Crosby more. It did more for Rosenthal who has little screen appearance up to this point and has, you know, been more or less a somewhat forgettable character other than his impressive actions of the previous episode and then, of course, Egan, who has been more or less just the annoying drunk of the character groups. And now we have a little bit more connection with him because um, let's just say that Egan probably is the toughest of the crew. Of all the well, characters, he's probably the toughest of all of them. Most likely, but uh, but we don't get to see until the rest of the war is over. Yeah. But as as uh, as we touch on Egan and we go back to his capture, which we were talking about earlier in the episode, uh, there is a line that said, uh, "For uh, for you, the war is over," mm-hmm. and that's a pretty powerful line because most airmen at this time is what is the first thing they hear when they get captured. Yep. So. Uh, for Aaron, any anyone who wants to get a little uh, curious about it, any airman who gets shot down, their standing orders is to evade capture and return back to base at any cost. So if they get captured, their war is over, essentially. But they have to, their standing order is to escape and get back to base at any cost. Most most airmen try, but they but they still stay in captivity. Or they are killed in the attempts. So this is their orders going in, and each time they get captured, it's it's a higher chance of them getting killed by their captors. But for Egan's case, he, he his character goes through some pretty gnarly stuff for his capture. First, he gets a shotgun shoved in his face uh, by some farmers. Which, that's the light part about it, of his capture. Yeah. Second, we go to this the first bombed-out city we get to see. They said it was probably bombed by the British during their night raids. Mm. Uh, it could have been uh, the city of Munster, but it looked too fresh for that. Yeah, I'm just way too fresh for that. Uh, and I don't remember what's... I think it was like Rush. So, they said the city started with R. Basically, what's happening here is that the German military is using a opportunity here to kind of like get the civilians like to hate the enemy because the German army in this point in the war, they, they, they need to continue to drive the war effort and continue to like get their civilians to continue to back the war effort. And well, nothing gets, nothing gets civilians behind a war effort than having, you know, the people who bombed your city and killed your children be paraded through the streets and then given an opportunity for those civilians to beat the crap out of them, which it so does happen. And then a local police officer, which I assume is what this guy was, basically like just then whips out his uh, Walter B-38 and just executes all the prisoners. Uh, well, that's not really what happened. Um, it, what the, really the, happened? The what train, happened? The, the train what? station. The train fucking... The railroad was bl- bombed with the fucking objective and... Now the train can't get through, so they have to walk them across the city to the other side 
to get them to the train so that they can um, continue them back to their captivity camp. Eh, I would. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it still was a propaganda propaganda way to get civilians like because like it's not like exactly they, they were giving any type of heavier protection detail to get these civilian get these POWs through the city. Yeah, but it's they didn't care. As soon as, as soon as the pop this population was pretty much more devastated than we got to see in episode 4. Mm. Uh there was a lot more bloodshed there and they did take their revenge on these on these uh, air crews. Mm. Uh, one slitting Which... the throat of one of them. Well, it looks like he tried to and missed, maybe. I don't know. But No, they slit his throat. Well, I mean, like, I don't think like the guy right on the R it looks like like the cop like just barely off his neck. But anyway, um it's it kinda harkens harkens back to something back in actually the Here. last the last episode. Uh not not like I mean like, you know, allies, you know, tormenting German the German population, but more or less of like of, in the previous episode, we have a moment where one of the characters, you know, is verbally objecting the order to bomb, um, oh, civilian population. Yeah, and so it's kind of like a callback to that moment, that discussion. Like, you know, I like they do not want to bomb civilians, and you know, he was like, "It's a war. It's going to happen," and then. These guys then have to face the consequences of their a- consequences of their actions, but it's not like voluntarily. Not, it's not volunteer actions. They're, they're on standing orders to do so, but it's hard to kind of like feel the sympathy for the Germans because the the, the early stages of the European war was literally Germany bombing blindly a civilian population in London. Or in well, yeah, yes and no. Uh, they didn't do that at first. They were actually hitting airfield and other uh, military targets. It wasn't until we bombed, not we, uh, England had bombed Berlin <laughs> during one of their night raids that Hitler had ordered the uh, the, the not the Faschinger, the uh, Luftwaffe to bomb the shit out of German cities. So it's like. You mean English cities? English cities, yeah. My, my mistake. I'm a little tired, but yes. Yeah, so they, uh, they do. That's the reason why, and they stopped hitting. The the REF was on their last draw during the Battle of Britain. So once they stopped hitting their fucking airfields, they were able to counter the uh, the the attack. But yeah, it it was the reverse. The same. I don't know if any German pilots would have been uh, beaten or killed like that. No. Unless it was like like they were the tail end and England was about to lose, but the I'm, the way that these guys were these American uh, pilots and crews were killed, it's pretty ruthless. And then they just put them on a Egan was just hit in the head, but they put them on a carriage to go bury their bodies. Yeah, which that became a war crime, not yeah. a so because essentially you had POWs that were publicly executed that were unarmed. Um. And then our, then the civilian, because, and it wasn't military that was disposing the bodies. It was civilians given the responsibility to dispose of the bodies. And, uh, the, it's, as Josh said, this part of it was not actually based on a recorded event. Not in Egan's life. Not, not like because Egan was part of the like in the in the episode Egan's part of this POW group and he's assumed dead with the rest of them, but uh, he lives of course. But this wasn't this wasn't a rec- specific recorded event. It's a, a it's a scene created based on other reports like it. Um, yeah. So like it's not like it didn't happen, but it's just that it wasn't this specific moment. It more or less is a tool for the show to use to paint the villainy of Germany. Because yep. not only do they get it's not only is the German military involved in this, it's also the civilian population who is assaulting, you know, these unarmed pr- uh, prisoners of war. And like I, by assaulting I mean they are beating the crap out of them with two by fours and pipes and knives and everything. So like like the civilians are 
actively trying to kill them as well. And then they're all finished off with, by a police officer who's out, like, just making sure that the streets aren't being robbed or whatever. I don't know. But... Um, well, the, I, I think he was probably just a German soldier. But he was wearing they, a helmet. I don't know. That was a that was a German helmet. <laughs> no, it was it was a little like I probably don't know. a World War One helmet. No, it wasn't even that. I don't know. I have to it, I, I have to send you a picture exactly because like I I saw the helmet. I was like, that's a weird helmet. But no, it's a weird helmet. Oh, no, I saw it. It's it's probably a World War One helmet. But the, the the rear guard happened to be wearing those type of equipment um, compared to the frontline troops who wore the more modern equipment. But yeah, as as they went through that city, they end up capture. We go to Egan surviving on the cart, and we hear um, uh, one of the airmen who happened to survive the uh, essential massacre uh, reciting his the prayer. I can't. I don't know that the name of that prayer specifically. The Lord's prayer. The Lord. Yeah, he's reciting the Lord's prayer. Essentially, he, they, he's he's being asked to. He's basically preparing to die, so he's asking the Lord for giving him all of his sins and. Um, and yeah, Josh, you you know yeah. what happens next? Oh, they beat his fucking head with a shovel. Yeah, it's uh, I'm so, I, if I'm highlighting anything, they, it was a good episode. I'm I, it's it's fiction, uh, mixed with uh, it's nonfiction mixed with fiction. It's it's what you expect. Yeah. Um, but in this case, when they beat his when they hit him in the head, you see a little bit of blood splatter hit Major Egan. Who's a, who's awake at this time? They they probably would have buried him alive if if uh, if that happened. Which would have and been better for him, I think. He, yeah, because they ended up uh, he ends up getting out in the cart and running off, and the two farmers are like, "Fuck it, I don't care." He's not gonna get let's very far. Bury, yeah, he ain't gonna get far. Let's bury the rest of these bodies. We got a job to do. And sure enough, he gets captured again. And sent to this time a Luftwaffe camp, and this is where the uh, where majority of the prisoners are taken for for uh, any pilots or bombing crews. They are taken to Luftwaffe camps, and that's and they're held by the Luftwaffe uh, for the rest of the war. So, and we get to be uh, meet our interrogator. Uh, I'm trying to say get his name, but he, he's a He's an American-trained uh, intelligence Amer- officer. An American-trained intelligence officer, and the uh, and he and he's pretty convincing. If you if you want to take over on this one, no, I mean like it. It I don't know if it's, he was a real German or if he was the fictionalized version of the guy that interrogated. But but essentially, you know, Germans are trying to get as much information as they possibly can, and so you know they're taking a moment before. Egan's moved to uh, Stalag 11, which is the name of the Luthoffer camp that he's being he's going to be uh, kept at later. Um, he's they're trying basically. There's one, a bit of information like he, the guy's trying to play buddy buddy with him, like give him he gives him a glass of whiskey, you know, gives him a cigarette, whatnot, and you know, uh, but Egan's like like saying like, ask me any question you want. All I got to answer you is my rank, serial number, and my name. That's all I got to give you. And, uh, you know, he, this, this German is, you know, he's being nice. He's like, look, you're not on any recorded, uh, recorded actually, you're not listed as a, as one of the officers on any of the bombing crews that we captured. Uh, so you're missing a very important piece before you even get to that. Uh, before he even talks about what Egan was doing there in Germany. He he tells Egan everything about his life before he even touched the ground. Then recites why he's there. He told him uh, the the base he's at, why, when he got there, what school he went to, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Saying that they know who exactly who Major Egan is, meaning there's spies back in the United States who got him this information. Mm-hmm. But then he was asking. Why were you in the bomber? Yeah, because, because at this time none of the plane, none, none of the bombers that were shot down had a re- had a record of of Egan being on any one of those. Which I think either it was a BS line that they, that they fed, or I can't remember in in the last episode of Egan just like forced himself onto the bombing crew. I can't remember. Well, he said he said he was a takeover crew, but it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, but anyway. Uh, 
yeah. he he goes in, you know, and Egan's like, no, just like because he tells him that like if I can't prove that you're on one of these bombers, the Gestapo, which was Hitler's secret police and were ruthless, evil, freaking mother truckers, um, they will treat him as a spy. And it was much, much worse to be treated as a spy than it was to be treated as a POW. Because to be treated as a spy, you were basically executed. There was yep. no no trial or anything like that. If they found if they found any plausible evidence that you're a spy, you were to be executed on site. Well, and, funny funny enough about that, they, that was just a final tactic to see if he could release any information. Yeah, because all because they were just but, they were trying to get information of like how many bombers are going to be resupplied to the to the airbase. Yeah, but the honest point of it is the Luftwaffe would have never allowed the uh, uh, the you just said the name the freaking. Gestapo. Secret police, the, the Gestapo, to uh, take over their prisoners. The the thing about the Luftwaffe and their and their time as holding these pilots is they did their jobs well to protect the prisoners as best they could. Even though later on in the war they were to, ordered to treat every single downed aircrew as a hostile and kill them on sight. So they they did not follow those orders and they kept them alive as as long as they could until they were at till they were uh rescued by ground soldiers or whoever saved them later on in the war but that's this that's the type of people we're dealing with compared to the gestapo who probably would have followed those orders and killed every single prisoner and the the luftwaffe who are not nazis to the most part but they are they're they just yeah, they're Wehrmacht. So they, they treat their, their counterparts with respect because when they get captured, they're probably treated the same way. Hmm. So it, it goes back and forth. But each time each time that these pilots are down, it's riskier when they're tr- uh, captured by any of the other Wehrmacht than it is being captured by the Luftwaffe. So once they're, once they're treated to that, they take Egan back to his cell... So that he can be transported to the to Stalag three, uh, in in the next day or so, so that they could start taking their time in their camp. But we get to see something that most people don't get to see recently, when or most GIs didn't get to see, but these aircrews did when they were getting loaded up into their training, and they were getting they were seeing the the, the people getting sent to concentration camps, or they well all what they saw was another women. train car full of people but it wasn't POWs but it was actually women. women and you know you just see like you hear them saying help us help us you know sc- screaming and they don't know what's going they they just see if anything they just see the validation for the war and the fact that there's civilians being herded into train cars like cattle and POWs yep. and so uh it's it's a quite it's a quite emotional scene too because when the train is passing by even though it is not in slow motion the the engine of the train makes it sound like it's in slow motion while these women are begging and screaming for help but the same time an airman tries to escape and gets shot in the back uh by a by a German soldier with with a MP40. Was that real? And I don't know. I don't know if that's a real airman who got killed, but it goes to show that they they can be killed at any time if they try to escape. Yeah, but I mean the, that's the that's pretty much the standard POW rules with any country. Yeah, but they but they loaded up the body in the train as well. Yeah, kind of like punishment. Like that's what you get. Now he gets to sit with you guys for this train ride. Yep. Um, so, so it's like what what these air crews are now going to see and which we've been able to get a glimpse of in the intro of the show is now we get to see uh, Egan time in prison <laughs> and they're, they're, they're not going to be treated like animals, but they are going to make a ruckus from what we get to see at the end of the episode. Yeah. But let's get to the final scene with Egan and, and his time arrival to Stalag, the Stalag three camp. Uh, he gets to see a couple of, the, of his former friends, not former friends, but his friends from the 100th uh, bombing group who are in the prison that survived. 
and that's a relief. And and he starts asking for where is Major Clevin, uh, Buck. To which she ends up hearing a, a familiar voice, which turns out to be Buck, and that's how we find out he survived his uh, shoot down, which would have been a lot better. Maybe as you got to actually get to see the bombing mission. Yeah, that's what, that's the crazy part to me. I think to this whole episode, uh, this whole series so far, is that we don't see that. Like literally, Buck just disappears for two episodes. Yeah, we we get that he she goes shot down. As an audience, we get to see that, but it would have been a lot cooler if he just showed us the scene. Like we we don't get to see Buck get captured. We don't get to see Buck get shot down. And Buck, the character Buck, is pretty much the like the the main character. He is our freaking Sergeant Lipton. Like his not Sergeant. He's our, he is our uh, Captain. He's our major winners. He's Winters for this series, and we miss him for two episodes of two critical of like at least a critical moment where he has disappeared and captured. Yeah, I mean, it, I I wouldn't have cared if they had shown him getting captured or any him getting to the ground. Would I have liked to see his plane getting shot down and us not knowing about it than us getting told that his plane got shot down and us not knowing about it? And then we end up finding out he's alive. Yes, because we did our little extracurricular research, and you guys know what we do. We knew that Major Clevin was alive, but... In this case, it would have been a lot cooler to see as an audience if they had just, you know, either said, either not told us that uh, Clevin's plane got down and showed us, but like say, oh, that's Cle-, like like just a pl- B seventeen going down and saying, oh, that's Clevin's plane, and then two episodes later, he's in the camp. Yeah, I mean, I get from like you know, if you're a writer writing this, I understand you're trying to create a suspension, you're trying to create a cliffhanger where. You know, nobody knows what's happened to Buck. And all of a sudden, he appears and everybody gets to celebrate. Problem is, is that if there's... I'm sorry, but your regular Sally's are not watching this show. The people who are watching the show are the same freaking history buffs that watched, you know, the previous two miniseries. And so, yeah, I'm going to say that people, 90% of the viewers out there probably looked up every single one of these guys before we got to this episode. Yep. The regular Sally's, by the way, I did talk to one, said this show's fucking boring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but the 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 nice part about that, this this scene is Clevin gets to see, well, not Clevin, Egan gets to see a, a bit of relief to know that his friend's not dead. Yeah. I and mean, what was it? No, go ahead. And on top of that, now the, the boys are back together. They're going to... From what we get to see on the preview for the next episode, they're gonna make some ruckus. Yeah. So, I'm looking forward to it. But I was I was going through it a little bit, and I wanted to touch up on a little bit of bubbles in his background, and how kind of fucked up his story is. Mm-hmm. Mainly for his family, not for him. His bubbles, his father, uh, was a World War One veteran, and he happened to meet his wife in world war one and in Europe because she was a uh, red cross nurse. The fact that 30, 30 years later, their son is killed over, over Europe and they find out in April. I I believe he was killed in April and they find out maybe like a month later. Uh, That kind of sucks. I don't, I don't know if, if you really think about it for for his character or for his him as a person they met in war they had their son after the war their son dies in the in another war yeah it mean like it's tough i mean for the most part a lot of that stuff back then was you know i don't know like cuz i mean if one of those previous episodes showed anything that it, there's there was a lot of misintel, so there was never a hundred percent confirmation because you get reports like they they don't even know like you know they don't know what it, like a lot like some of the they didn't see what happened to the bomber they didn't see you know if any shoots got out you know so they can't confirm or anything of so the only stats they can really give the characters is MIA. Yeah, and so maybe that played a part in it, but it definitely is. A weird direction 
Like they're they're making there's a lot of character changes in the show to help fit a narrative. And Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg are not strangers to this at all. You know, they did it with um Band of Brothers. Band of Brothers with freaking uh Foxhole Norman. Um, I don't know if I don't. I really haven't deep dived into the Pacific that much to know if they've twisted any characters to f- help fit the story story arc. Josh, you would, I think you would know better than than me. Um, um, well, they they were pretty faithful to the books, but yeah, there was a little bit of twisting for I believe, um, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, I'm trying to remember his name. The the kid who, the kid from Jurassic Park. Uh, he was the one. Oh, Sledge. Yeah, Sledge. Maybe a little bit of stuff from him, but nothing in particular. They, uh, bullet from my from my pillow, um, and whatever, whatever the other book is called. They they were pretty faithful to them when they told the story. Uh, so, but at the same time, when they told that narrative, they they did have uh, Sydney alive to give them feedback about the right. Uh, for the interviews compared to this one i don't know if there's many air crews from the eighth air force that are still alive right well, uh, like... they did they did they did interview other pilots and and bombing crews uh, but at this point there are there are 100 years old so the information they get is what they get and is not from those particular men they, if they knew them or not right but i would say you know overall though episode was fantastic it was extremely well written it was it was a very good storytelling episode with different character arcs and it wasn't it didn't feel jumpy like episode four felt everything blended well together we had great finishes on all three characters and you know it leaves us wanting more and so far they both that's because I'm happy because of the improvement we've gotten from episode four. Episode five was fantastic. And now episode six is also fantastic. And I am looking forward to now how the last couple episodes are going to go. Because now yep. we, have, we have three episodes left. Um, we know that we definitely, there's a lot of, like we're, we know we're not, we're not going to be taken out of the air anytime soon. Cause we got this next episode. They tease that we're going to be watching Crosby do his 25th bombing, uh, bombing mission. Um, we're going to see escape, uh, attempts from, uh, Buck and Bucky. And so it's going to be a lot of intense action going on next episode. I don't know if there'll be a third character arc or not, but we definitely will see. I do see, I do agree with that. Um, just a couple things I do want to top touch on for this back to the interview for the, that they were doing with major Egan, the amount of information they I want to touch on more on that is that they get from these pilots is kind of astounding. Like they probably had a list of a majority of the pilots and air crews that had been sent over to Europe and all they wanted. And the fact that they knew these, these men before they even got there, they just had to put a face to each one is, is pretty fucking gnarly. If you think about it, about the spy network here in, in the United States in 1943. Oh no! Well, like, so, a lot of people don't realize it, but the Germans probably had the best spy network. I mean, uh, we we didn't have a bad one either. No, we didn't. Europe, we but... didn't. We didn't. But the Germans had the advantage because they were planting cells inside countries that they knew that were going to be a problem to them before the before like the invasion of Poland. Yeah, so it's it showed that it paid off in the war for a little while until the war ended and which they ended up losing but the the matter the amount of information they got for these pilots that the uh when i was watching uh real history's video on it one of the one of the real pilots that got shot down that the that he had the main the uh, uh, sorry the uh the videographer was talking about was the historian was talking about he he had the pilot had gone through before he even said anything about the military. All they talked about was his personal life back home. And it was all coming out of the German's mouth, not his mouth, yeah. not the pilot's mouth. So that shows you that this was a real thing. 
and these pilots had no way to stop it. Yeah. And uh, there's that's just fascinating because even though we don't get to see that, that was a great detail they put into the episode that most people probably wouldn't have even noticed. Well, and then and then also um, it goes uh, it goes a little bit back to that. You know, they make a reference during that interview, too, of like, oh, it's very apparent that you Yanks are, you know, big baseball fans. And I think he's referencing that, like, they've been listening to their phone calls because when they're making phone calls from unpri- like unsecured lines, they talk only in baseball terms. And so oh, I think well, I, I, um, it's a little different because baseball is life over there at no, this time well yeah fo- but football I think, was not a big deal i think it was also like because obviously they're talking like that because they're afraid of you know some that the lines are tapped and that they're that the information is going to be pulled from these lines and I, so and so i think it's also like a little bit like yeah we've been listening we've been listening to you guys i don't i don't think so I remember at this time the world series is going on and it's october of 1943 so it's not that they they knew baseball was life at this time. Yeah. <laughs> so I, the, I, that's to that's I, to build a connection with the prisoner. Yeah. I I don't know. I think uh, that I think because this whole thing was kind of like to show the level of how effective the Germans and German intelligence agencies were operating at, and so. I, well, I, it's hard. It's hard for me to think that that wasn't a harken back to that line of where, you know, he's on the phone talking in baseball terms, and you know, it it could be, it could be. I I'm just saying that it, I don't think so. It is more of him trying to build a connection with him, but you, I could be wrong. I I just know from my history of it, baseball is the greatest pastime in American history, and it should be compared to the NFL. But that's just a personal preference. But um, that that's how it was at that time. Then speaking in baseball terms, it, it just doesn't. It, it could be just a coincidence or it could be something that they talked about. I honestly don't know. That's, that's just what I think. But all in all, this episode did touch on a lot of things. I did, I did really appreciate them showing the bombed out city of Germany and how fucking devastating those bombs are. Because, man, was that city destroyed. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we got to see, see a little bit of war crimes, uh, go figure. But the uh, the amount of destruction that these crews didn't get to see, and now they get to see it for the first time, is astounding. And as for an audience, we get to be more connected to what the mission is later on when we can see the... the uh, the victims from the from the Holocaust later on on that train. So, I mean, the only thing I'm worried about at this point, though, is that we only have three episodes left, and it feels like there's a lot of stories still left to be told. And so well, it's October. I'm... It's October of 1943. Uh, they're going to talk about the camp because that's what they showed us. So it's going to be probably the winter of 43 into 44, and then the next, if my assumption is correct, if we do get to see Crosby's 25th mission, he's not going home. At this point, in 43 to 44, bombing crews' missions were extended to about 50 or 55 because they needed experienced crews to stay up there because a lot of them were either shot down or killed. Um, but we're going to get to see pretty much the same bombing missions after bombing missions into Germany. And then 44, we get to see probably D-Day, which we do see glimpses of in the intro. So it'll probably be episode 8. And then episode 9, them saving the the POWs. If, if, I'm, if I'm spacing it out in three episodes. That's just me. It could, it could be hypothetical. Yeah. But, so, Josh, what is your rating for this episode? I give it a solid nine. Pretty strong mm, episode. I feel like I've, I can't really rate that one a nine along with the last one. That I also rated a nine because I still think the last episode was a better episode than this one. So well, my episode was a ten. So you can't really for the last one. So well, yeah, I mean I can't like really give out tens out there, but um, I would probably give this one 
either like eight, eight and a half. If I, if, that was a super strong episode. It was a very strong episode, hundred percent. Like hands down, very good episode. Great storytelling. Like from storytelling aspect of it, it's definitely the best episode they've done so far. For a gripping episode, it wasn't something like, like for me, there's certain episodes I would like to, I would, you know, that are entertaining for me from miniseries. I go back to watch the entertainment value of it, and this one isn't really one of those episodes that'll do it for me. But it kept me entertained to where I wasn't like. Just feeling like this was a filler episode. So I'm... no, this all this information was relevant. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this strong episode. Looking forward to the next one. Uh, you did ask me the question earlier if I would rewatch the series. Uh, I'm gonna keep that to the very end. I'll probably ask you that question when the series is over. But after these last few episodes, probably I'd keep keep it up to if I wanted to rewatch it, I would. Not yearly because I don't. The way I watch Band of Brothers and and the Pacific, I own the video, uh, DVD, Blu-rays, whatever. Uh, if I have to have the subscription, probably not. <laughs> yeah, for me, I'm gonna say no. If if I if I'm being completely honest, because just, it's just the first few episodes are. It's it's tough to find. Like I've. Like these last few episodes, I've felt confident in what we're talking about and finding like the good in each of these episodes. But like the first three or four episodes, I felt like it was a struggle to find something entertainment entertaining of those episodes. I, I mean, mean, they were they had they had moments, but yeah, yeah. episode I mean, three was a strong episode, but that was all the bomb. Yeah, episode one was like a holy fuck. Episode two was like holy shit, this is real, but we got no literary. The last two episodes was a lot of good writing. Yeah. Um, but, so you know, if I remember basically off the premise, like, of, like, Band of Brothers, which is something I will sit down and rewatch in a day, no problem. And, it like, I mean, your first three episodes of Band of Brothers is you have Curry, entertaining episode. You have, you have um, second episode where they're in day, London. Day of Days. Day of Days. And you have episode three, which is Carantan, which is a phenomenal episode. It's Carantan yeah. and the best and Bastone is probably like my best, my favorite moments of Banner Brothers. And yeah, but I mean, but that's the shadow this show holds over for it. And we even get... and even on Banner Brothers' like weakest episode, which is which is uh, Operation Market Garden, it's still a very good episode to watch. Yeah, but. For this one, we right now the, there's a couple of good episodes here or there, but I gotta I gotta give the benefit or the benefit of the doubt is if I feel like wanting to watch a movie about bombers and B or show about B-17s in the air or bombing crews, I could go watch uh, Catch Twenty Two. But this one's pretty good, and I honestly would keep watching. I would watch it again. But, but time will tell. We have to. F- I won't give it till the show is over. Let me ask you this, Josh: If this show had released with a complete different writer and had no connections to Steven Spielberg or Tom Hanks or any of the previous producers for Banner Brothers or The Pacific, would you be giving this show as much attention as you have? Probably. I, I, love, I love World War II shows. I've seen them. I, I, w- I wouldn't go down not watching them. If they had the same quality, depends on how it was filmed. I would give it at least one or two episodes. If it was like shitty filming or shitty like CGI work, I probably would not have watched it. But so we'll see. Those, these last three episodes could change my mind. Uh, it could make those first four episodes bearable to watch. Um, but I mean, the first, the first two, the, the two and three weren't bad. Three, okay, three, three was a, three was a strong point. But episodes one and episode two were meh. And then episode three was a was a home was a home run and like it was like a soft home run too. It wasn't like Barry Bonds out of the park home run, but it was like a nice like little kind of like like a line drive home run or one that barely got over the fence over the fielder's glove. Um, that's what episode three was. And then episode four, episode four was sucked. episode four was episode four. And now episode five and six have been phenomenal on the action, the storytelling. And so now we get to just see how they finish finish off this series. And we're, we're I mean we're in the final stretch, last three episodes. Um, usually, you know, at this point with the other series, 
the last three episodes, there's no no action left to be had. You know, we're we're at you know, it's all just like it's all it's all driving on the storytelling with the last three episodes on Band Brothers and Pacific. This series, we have so much more action to get to get through. So it's gonna be interesting to see how they're gonna have this wrapped up where you go from action to then subtleness. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see. The show's almost there. We got three more weeks of this. And then we get to decide what we're going to watch next. <laughs> Last Airbender. Uh, sure. Uh, so, bear in mind, keep on the lookout. Uh, but as always, thanks for watching, guys. Uh, we appreciate you coming and joining us. Anyone who likes to join us. But if you want to give us, feel free to join our Discord. Or I don't know if there's comments on the podcast. I don't look at it. I uh, know, but we do have we do have subscribers and uh, we do have downloads. Uh, we, uh, we would love to hear from your feedback, see if anything we can improve on, and uh, as always, uh, have a nice day. <laughs>